Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Great to have you here with me, Ed Draper, sports broadcaster in the UK. And I've been doing this podcast for around four and a bit years, nearly four and a half years. Thank you for uh, hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors, Bain Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Had the pleasure of Jason Briggs, the lead man at Bain Olufsen of Cheltenham. Had the pleasure of watching Jason play seven-a-side, six-a-side football in a charity tournament this past weekend in Gloucester, near to us in, in Cheltenham, just down the road, the uh, beautiful city of Gloucester. Uh, Jason's play wasn't wasn't quite beautiful, but good to see him. He's a good man, and it's a good team. And through that company, Serene AV as well, they can source you whatever equipment you want, not just the beautiful Bang Olufsen, world-renowned, prestigious, branded stuff that you can see in the Bang Olufsen store in Cheltenham, in the courtyard in Montpellier, here in the west of England, Montpellier, this uh, really pristine a very atmospheric French region of the town. Um, so thank you to Jason and his team. Thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast, food-based supplement company that my father has worked as a consultant with, and we've been taking the supplements for 20-plus years. We still pay for them, albeit at a discounted rate. They're food-based supplements, digested as food would be. And if you would like to share a discount with the, or, or share our discount, you can go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N, dot co dot uk and when you come to check out the discount code is draper 10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r you get 30 percent discount off your bill on your first purchase 10 percent ongoing after that i know a number of you listeners have used that so i hope your side to plan supplements have worked out well get in touch let me know about the podcast, but about the supplements as well, how they've gone for you, whether you're taking a multivitamin, vitamin, or something more specific like a vitamin D3 or an iron supplementation if you if you know you're short in that. But check out those supplements at cytoplan.co.uk. And if you are thinking there's someone in your family, you'd love to cherish their love, their, their memories, their stories, their childhood memories, but here's a gift that you could give the rest of your family an attic box audio experience might be worth considering. It's something we've been doing, reaching out to people in the West of England, going out to interview people in the West of England here, 25 mile radius per se of Cheltenham in person conversations, not really interviews, conversations with members of the public. I've been conducting them as a broadcaster for 20 plus years, obviously interviewed a lot of famous sports athletes, but this is a project with attic box audio for regular everyday people. And it's where we sit down, have a probably two hour conversation. We can have a break in the middle, have a cup of tea, but then afterwards, we present you a couple of weeks later with fine quality audio recording, which you can have on a USB, but also can email it to whoever you want. And then you have a book, a transcript of that conversation, lightly edited to make it readable and to make it flow. But in that year, then have family photographs to, to sort of dot, to bring to life, to illustrate, to color 
that transcript book, which is a finely bound, high quality book. We'll get two of those books, in fact. But to find out more about this service that we're providing, life story service to document a loved one's memories, childhood memories, whatever they may be for posterity to connect future generations, then go to atticboxaudio.co.uk, A-T-T-I-C-B-O-X, audio, A-U-D-I-O, .co.uk, atticboxaudio.co.uk. You can also reach it through my website, drapermedia.co.uk as well. I'm going to start putting some blogs up there. And obviously the links to this podcast are there as well as, as our home there. My wife and I uh, have a website, drapermedia.co.uk. Right, without further ado, let's get on to the conversation because if you're a football fan locally, you're probably waiting to hear the words of Mark Halliwell, who is an esteemed local journalist uh, writing for the journal and citizen locally commentating on Cheltenham Town as well during the football season for the local BBC here and we are responding to Michael Duff who's been a guest on the podcast several times his departure from Cheltenham Town seemingly to head to Barnsley at the time of speaking at another League One club but after a distinguished near four years tenure at Cheltenham Town Michael's leaving a bit of a seismic event locally. A lot of players going as well, including Will Boyle, a friend of the podcast. So it's great to get Mark over to the house a little bit earlier today and get his uh, thoughts as we sat in the sunshine on the situation. Here he is, the one and only Mark. Mark Halliwell, welcome to the podcast. Good Thank you, Ed. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good to be here. Lovely, thought... lovely sunny summer's day. Oh, lovely. Beautiful, yeah. Beautiful <laughs> to do this in person as well. We're just saying that Zoom's never quite the, the same. And the skies are blue and the sun's out in Cheltenham, which is... Fantastic. It's almost a summer, but I guess it's, it's quite busy. Still football dominating, isn't it? As we're speaking, 10.40, Tuesday, June the 14th, Michael Duff has left Cheltenham, mm. but not officially joined Barnsley. No. It's been an uncertain couple of weeks for him and for the, the whole sort of football town, it has. hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been a bit of a flux for the last couple of weeks since the approach came in. Um, everybody's been, well, when's it going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and now it's finally happened. And... Uh, Cheltenham have got to look ahead now. They've got to move on and uh, and see what happens. But but ever thankful for for what Michael did in his time, September 2018. Mm. I think he was the tenth longest serving manager wow. in the uh, Premier League and the EFL, which tells you something yeah. about the yeah. turnover of managers. Some clubs have probably had two or three managers in, <laughs> your, your club in that. My club, <laughs> yeah. about five. But um, no, it's it's going to be interesting now, and it's a big. A big couple of weeks now for mm. for Cheltenham to try and get somebody in. There is time pressure because the season, of course, started earlier with the, with the World Cup coming up, so there is time pressure. But they need to they need to do the due diligence and they need to get this one as right as they can. Everybody says, "Oh, need to get this one right." No guarantees that you're ever going to get it right. Mm. I mean, after ten games, when Michael Duff hadn't won a match, <laughs> did everybody think that that appointment was right? No, they didn't. And it turns out, were there that, things you can look at in hindsight that you think that he was working things out? That in retrospect, oh, it's funny. I, I remember a game Cheltenham played against Stevenage at home. I think we lost two nil, and it was it was terrible. Yeah, it was one of Michael's first games, <laughs> and you looked at that team and that squad and you thought blimey you, you you're sleepwalking towards relegation here really yeah you, you just thought this is this is awful mm. and and then you contrast that with what you saw you know last season beating Sunderland at home beating Ipswich at home and some of those great you know with the win at Charlton which was probably one of the best wins of the of the whole season you think crikey you know, you turn that round in that time. And some of the players are the same. Yeah. You know, like Connor Thomas was still in that side. He was in both sides. 
and he's 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 left now but you look at you look at that and you think it wasn't a total mm. you know rip up you know okay yeah there'd, there'd been quite a lot of personnel change but there was still but but the big change was the system you know they played arsenal it was arsenal at home and and that's the game you look you look back to that game arsenal at home in the uh in the EFL trophy. Arsenal youth team, was it? Or yeah, the under-23s. Yeah. Well, Saka was playing. Was he? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you, you go back to that game and you think, you know, and he's played a 3-5-2. He thinks, oh, well, well, we'll play a 3-5-2. Ben Tozer can play in the middle of the mm. back three. We'll play, we'll play this. And they won that game 6-2. And he still hasn't won a league game at that point. But the system just gelled, did it? And the system just, and it just, just fell, into, fell into place. Wow, it's sliding doors. It's almost like a sliding doors moment. You think, blimey, if he'd carried on playing the four four two, or because he came in from Burnley and he said, "I want to play four four two. That's what he said. I want to play a four four two. Yeah, I think he wanted to play almost like Burnley. Mm. You know, I want to play a hard working four four two. And I think he quickly realised that he didn't really have the tools to play. Well, didn't have the fullbacks and the wingers. And... No, but again, it's testament to his coaching ability and his and his ability. He thought. We'll have to rip it up, and we'll have to try a three-five-two. Yeah, you know he had that ability to adjust. Yeah, that ability to adjust, and the, and the, and he looked around his squad, and he thought we can play a three-five-two. We'll try that. I mean, he could, and he had the he had the he had that game. You know, the fact that it was a an EFL trophy game does it really matter? Mm. And they won six-two, and from then on, the three-five-two was was born, and and it went and it went from there. But again, still, it wasn't all. You know, it wasn't all. Uh, mm. Highs was it? There were still some lows. You know, the Northampton playoff defeat, for example, was yeah. a big low. In the, that was in the middle of the first mm. lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, June. It was. A, it was about. Yeah, it was about this time of year. And here we are in the middle of June. It was about then because they'd had all that, and mm. you know they'd gone to. They won the first leg two 0 and we thought, yeah, here we go. This is this is it now, and yeah. totally. And it and it and again, for him personally to have had the mental strength to have come back from that, and also for his players to have had. And, and instilled that into his players, that mental strength to, to come back from that and not allow it to affect them for the, for the following season when they went and won the title. Mm. Shows a lot a lot for him. And you talk to all the players. And I mean, Will Boyle did his interview when he went to Huddersfield the other day. He did an interview and he said, oh, I've learned so much from from him. Matty Pollock was another one. I spoke to him after his, after his last game. And I said to him, what have you learned from the manager? And he said, oh, almost like... And he said, oh, I've learned so much about my body position when I'm... When I'm making a challenge yeah. and how I, detail for yeah, individuals, that, yeah, that real nitty gritty detail. He said, mm. "I've never really thought about it, but he showed me how I can, you know, change my body position, and it will help me in this situation or that situation." And I'm thinking, so, you know, even that that's you know that young player who's come from a Premier League club mm. has still taken on, and he can take that back now to the Championship next season. Hopefully, he'll get in the Watford team in the Championship next year, and he can and he can use that going forward but he'll never forget the, where he learnt that no no you know and and that's very important and the fact that players want to play for him and and he he's instilled this real good this really close they've got the really close team spirit and you know that's the sort of thing he'll want to be instilling up in up at Barnsley but also that's the sort of thing Cheltenham don't want to lose yeah you know they want to keep that the culture that they keep the culture about, yeah. yeah you know Michael Michael had leaders leaders in the dressing room Ben Tozer was one Luke Varney was one when he was at the club and you know and then later on Scott Flinders was one he's now gone so Will Boyle was one so they've lost a few leaders mm. in the last couple of years and so whoever comes in really 
will need to sort of embrace that culture and nurture that going do, forward. Do you think because I think that's been a big part of the success. Was it a big thing about the type of people he was bringing in, or was it the kind of the atmosphere that he created for the people when they came in that everyone oh, kind of fell of in line? I think a yeah. bit of both, really. And I think he, he always made it very clear that anybody coming into the club had to fit in with that. Mm. You know, that wasn't going to change for them. Yeah. You know, if they were a big time Charlie, then they had to leave that at the door. Mm. Basically, and you leave that at the door, and you come in and you fit into our culture. Mm. You fit into the way our dressing room works, and as I say, I think that's a big part of the success because when you're when you're a smaller club in that division, you've got to you've got to, you've got to use that. It's almost like that siege mentality. Yeah, you know, it's almost like you you're the crazy gang thing from Wimbledon <laughs> back in the day, isn't it? Yeah. Not yeah. not not to that extent, you know. They were not fighting each other in the car park. No, I don't think they were yeah. fighting each other in the car park. Yeah. And, I don't know, leaving dead fish in each other's cars <laughs> or things like that. But <laughs> I think it's that sort of it's that sort of culture. It's sort of that uh, you know band of brothers almost mm. sort of culture where we're going out onto the pitch, you know, and we're we're working for each other and playing. You know, we are so tight knit. Yeah. Nobody can nobody can sort of disrupt us, and nobody can 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 get get through us that sort of way really yeah, it's brilliant to, to witness it as you say the stabilisation in League 2 and then, and then the promotion I think mm. you're Mike's just rubbing a little bit on the edge of your t-shirt so if you just pull it away from the uh, material if you can there that's oh yeah, that'd be good I think that's good um, yeah it's uh, it's, it's it'd be fascinating to watch it evolve you say the difficult start he had and he's very candid about that how to rip up his ideas and, and, and restructure and um, I think be pragmatic about what he could achieve in the style of play but it's the fine margins, wasn't it, as well? The, the, when they won the title in League Two, you look at the fixtures, there's a lot of 1-0 wins, yeah. things like that. And that, that's born out of the spirit. How nervous, I know you're a Watford fan, but you've yeah. covered Charlotte for so long. How <laughs> nervous are you for the rebuild now and the, the, sort of the, next, the next stab at the yeah, League it's, it's This season was always going to be harder anyway. Mm. This season was always going to be harder because you've lost that sort of unknown yeah. thing. You know, the other teams in League One didn't have a clue what Cheltenham were going to do, how they were going to play, what they were going to be like. But now they will. and But then the new manager might change it. Mm. He might come in and he might think, I'm not going to play 3-5-2. I'm going to play 4-2-3-1. I'm going to play 4-3-3. We've got to, I'm going to go out and sign some wingers and play. You know. but that's the interesting thing, isn't it? That Duff responded to what he had. And that's when you see managers who have a philosophy. And I suppose someone like Pep Guardiola has always had the luxury of, of great players that yeah. can do that. Whereas yeah. there seems a pragmatism for most football managers or most sports managers that it's probably better to build around what you have rather than what you want. But what what the new manager will get is he will get a chance. Mm. I mean, this is... Cheltenham are looking for their second manager since 2015. Yeah. Gary Johnson came in at the end of the 2014-15 season, mm. stayed until 2018. Michael's come in 2018. So you're looking for your second manager in, what, seven years? And they've grown in that period, haven't they, quite yeah. substantially? Yeah. yeah. I mean, then they were going down to league to the national league mm. now they've just had their best ever finishing position in the in the football pyramid they're in the top 60 clubs in the in the country <laughs> if you want to put it that way and so and Cheltenham aren't a sacking club historically I mean Paul Buckle got 79 days but then <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that uh, that appointment and that, I think that's the but that is the worry for a lot of Cheltenham fans they will look back and think yeah but we appointed Paul Buckle and that didn't work and we appointed yeah. Bobby Gould back in the day and that didn't really work but I think it's different now mm. I think it is different now I mean there's ups so, and downs isn't there but general trajectory at Cheltenham and I think 
British people, Cheltenham Town fans, can be naturally pessimistic. We actually look at where they've grown from as a non-league club in the last 25 years. Oh, the trajectory is generally upwards, isn't it? Yeah. There's more people moving to the town. You feel like I think yeah. season ticket sales are up. There's yeah. there is a momentum around the club. Yeah, the, 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 there is, and and but it's going to be very difficult to to build on what Michael's done, and mm. and because that's the that's the best they've ever done, and you have to look at it. I think Michael might have thought in a in a little way. Is this the ceiling? Can I take this any further? Yeah. And as I say, if there was ever a time for Michael to go, it was now when his stock is at the highest. Because if next season, say two or three months into next season, when you get to the sacking season of October, November, <laughs> next season, if Cheltenham are three from the bottom of the league, mm. who's going to look at Michael Duff? Who's going to say, oh, let's, let's go and look at the Ch- Oh, well, they're not. Yeah. But now, when he's just come off They've won league. They've won league two. They've got fifteenth in league one. Stabilised the club in in league one. He's done a decent job. Isn't mm. he? Let's have a look. And at he's him. an ex Burnley player, ex Northern Ireland international. Yeah. He's got experience. Yeah, he's got that sort of that sort of playing background behind him. And and it's interesting because you look at the managers who've who. I look at it and you think right, Cheltenham have done really well. But look at Cambridge United. Look at Mark Bonner, mm. who's a similar sort of. Manager, really? Yeah. Why is nobody talking about him? He's done just no. as good, he's done just as good a job. Yeah. He's got Cambridge United out. I'm sorry, Cambridge United fans, if you're listening, but he's got Cambridge United out of League Two, and he's done the same thing as Cheltenham have done: stabilised Cambridge United in League One. Mm. But, so, but yeah. when is it Duff? Because he played in the Premier League well, recently. That might that, be it. Yeah, that might be it. But again, Mark Bonner, I think he's I think he's even younger than Michael, and he's done a terrific job. And it's good though to see clubs giving those sort of managers a chance. Newport and James Robery is another mm. one. QPR appointed Michael Beale. Yeah, from the you know, academy job. Yeah. Leroy Rosinha might be going to get take the Blackpool job. Liam, Liam Rosinha. Sorry, Leroy. Yeah, I get those two L's mixed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Liam, Liam Rosinha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His dad managed Gloucester City. I'm sure, City, his, dad will, I'm sure <laughs> his dad will help him. I'm sure his dad will be there yeah. on the end of a phone. But yeah, Liam Rosinha getting, getting Blackpool. And so I think it is good to see those sort of managers getting Kieran McKenna at Ipswich is another one. Mm. You know, these ones who've been maybe in the back room at other clubs and just making their way up or managed under 23 sides getting their opportunity. Neil Critchley was the yeah. at Blackpool before. He was another one. He was in the back room at Liverpool. So whether Cheltenham go down that line again with, with, with Michael's successor or do they look at more experience? And that's that's the other dilemma for the for the club. Do you look at a... a mm. I mean, you look at the you look at the odds at the moment. I looked at the odds this morning, and you've got Michael Appleton is in the odds. Darren Ferguson is in the odds. Are you going to get Darren Ferguson? Probably not. Mm. Tony Mowbray's in the odds. Are you going to get him? No, you're not. <laughs> David Artell, who did a half decent job at Crew, mm. is in those odds. So that's the sort of yeah. experience. I mean, Michael was unique in the sense that he had that bedrock of yeah. experience, but that he rose through yeah. to the, the Premier League and had that that profile with him as well. Yeah. He adjusted as a player, didn't he? Which we should have known that he'd adjust as a manager because oh, yeah. to move up those levels, oh, yeah, he, he yeah. took it in his stride. Yeah, he took that absolutely in his stride. You know, did did we foresee the seventeen-year-old, awkward seventeen-year-old playing at right back in the Southern League, <laughs> playing in the? See, I'm loan at Siren Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing in the Premier League at 38 years old, probably not. We mm. probably didn't see that. So he. He's proved people wrong in a way, mm. all the way up, and now he's he's going to carry on doing that. I think as he as he goes on in his in his managerial style. And uh, do, you, do you worry about him in Barnsley at all? Just for his obviously he's a Cheltenham legend um, around here. That for his career, 
no, I think his ability should see him mm. see him through. And uh, I mean, I don't know what the expectations are. I think the expectations are probably to be challenging for a yeah. for a return to the championship straight away. And I think he'll probably feel that he can do that, and uh, he'll back himself. It's important you know having I mean. the, the he's experience. backed himself all yeah. the way through his career, so he'll he'll carry on backing himself. Now I would say there's some brilliant managers, even at the very highest level, that haven't haven't had that playing pedigree. Jose Mourinho, Sven Goran mm. Eriksson, big big names. Yeah, but you, you'd imagine Jurgen for, Klopp wasn't the most fantastic no, footballer, was he? No, you'd imagine that going to Barnsley, pitching up at Oakwell or wherever the training ground is, and saying, "I'm Michael Duff. This is what I've done at Cheltenham," but also having that playing career that he's been in the championship that must be, I think, must be significant as well. It's yeah. not, not I've played seven hundred. I played seven hundred games. From the Hellenic League to the Premier League, you know yeah. that's that sort of thing, and the fact that he only did it for two clubs as well is, is I think another thing, and um, I think he'd have he'd have really agonised over the mm. over the decision, and but again, I, I think because there's a lot of family reasons. His family live uh, settled in Cheltenham. His boys go to school here. One of his boys is in the Cheltenham Academy actually, mm. and. Now his wife is a Cheltenham girl, so he doesn't want to move the family base. It's gonna be a lot, here. lot of driving for him. And so he, he must yeah. have thought, right? Do I want to spend mm. a lot of time on the M1 and the M42 and yeah. so on? Two and a half hours on a good run, probably. Yeah, to Barnsley, going yeah, up yeah. and down to Barnsley every 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 weekend, and he's thought, yeah, okay. But I just think it's the right time for him to do it, and. Mm. And, uh, if you can get them up to the championship and then do yeah. all right in the championship, then you yeah. start to think: could you get top yeah. end championship, Premier yeah. League, even? At then, some point? You, then you're moving, you're moving up, uh, you're just moving up the level. It, 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 I, I understand people say oh, it's the same division, but I think there's more than one division in the division. Yeah, if you know, you know you d- Cheltenham aren't on. The, yeah. With all the best will in the world, Cheltenham aren't in the same league as. They're in the same league, but they're not in the same league as your Sheffield Wednesdays and your Ipswich Sounds. Yeah, what were the numbers you were talking about? The, the, the attendance is, what, 12,000 versus Cheltenham 4? 13,000, like I think their average mm. was last year. Even That's in a bad season in the Championship. Yeah. So if you get a successful Barnsley, you're probably going to be pushing up towards 16, 17, 18,000 crowds. Mm. So, which is three or four times they're, what? They're in a competitive market there as well, because they've got Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday in, they in are. close proximity. They are, but they've had to, they had one season in the Premier League. They've mm. they've they've they're one of those clubs who, if you think to yourself, right, what is Barnsley's sort of natural level? And it's probably high end League One, bottom end yeah, Championship. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're probably one of those sort of teams who are going to be maybe a bit of a yo-yo. So a good time to get them, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, because they're on a bit of a downer, mm. having got relegated, and. Been a bit of maybe your arms getting tired, you'll probably be fine there. It's, it's all right, maybe sure. in a bit of a state of flux, yeah. You know, they've so he, he and he can be the man to, to go in and you know lift, <laughs> it, lift it all back up again. That word flux, if you say, you say in life that change is inevitable, and sometimes you can get settled in a job or whatever or a regular place. We've lived here for a while that you see there's not much change, but then you think football is just it's unbelievable, isn't it? There is no I and mean, maybe Michael Duff, like you said, staying at Cheltenham having to go again. And Will Boyle's left, Ben Toza left last season. The, all the loanees who go back every mm. season to, mm. to the bigger clubs. Mm. It, it Psychologically, it's a different beast, isn't it? Because it, it, Premier League level, if you've got a bit of fu- fu- funds behind you, you can have that foundation where you change one or two, but you've, got a, you've always got a structure yeah. that you keep in place. Yeah, I, and uh, 
it'll be interesting to see how the new person what changes they make because it's almost know. from scratch isn't it it is in a way I mean, he's got whoever takes over has got 15 contracted players at the moment there's three with offers who mm. should sign again so that could be 18 players so you're looking at and then if you have five low knees into that which Cheltenham normally have five low knees that's 23 players <laughs> and that's practically it and then you're probably adding two or three more yeah to, to what you've got you, how many first team starters are there at the moment yeah probably six or seven okay in that in that uh in that in that party there i mean michael put owen evans the goalkeeper on the transfer list mm. so the new manager might come in and think well we'll we'll keep him there or we'll take stressful him off. time for owen evans isn't it you think about it that is. actually looking it at is the and, and you look at players like like charlie brown came in the back it came in last january on an 18 month got injured but only played three games and now the manager brought him in is gone mm. so now he's got to turn around and think right now i've got but they've, but they've all got to do that. They've all got to impress the new manager. Yeah. The new manager might think, oh, I don't, you know, you played 30 games last year, but I don't really, I don't really fancy you, to be honest. I think we'll, <laughs> well, I'll look at, I'll look at, you don't know. Yeah. And, of course, the one that the Cheltenham fans are worried about is Alfie May. Mm. Is Michael going to come in and... Yeah, someone want, was asking about Alfie May the other day. A, a, a non-Cheltenham non Town fan, I think, was saying about Alfie May. I can't yeah. remember who it was. Yeah, so, but... The fact that Mike that he signed a two and a half year contract last January mm. helps a little bit, but there's going to be a price. He'll have a price because he's what twenty eight, twenty nine. So he's he's twenty nine years old. Yeah. You talked about Ben Toes, didn't you? The life changing move that he yeah. made to Wrexham was just something to set his family up. Yeah, and you, you think about Alfie, and you think would Michael come in for Alfie? But I'm not so sure he will because mm. can he um, play at the can he play top at, end? Yeah, can he play at that top end? Is he going to do again what he did last season? Was last season a, a one-off? Mm. Can he can he repeat? Scored against Man City, didn't he? I suppose. Yeah. Is Alfie <laughs> going to score twenty-three goals again next season when his previous best season is eight? Yeah. So and would it be good for Cheltenham if they did offer him a decent money? It's a difficult one for Cheltenham, isn't it? What do you want? What's your ambition? One. It's a very difficult one. You don't want to lose your you don't want to lose your twenty-three goal top scorer mm. three weeks, four weeks. But the Moisa money a few seasons ago was valuable, wasn't it, for mm. propping up the club? Yeah, it was. It was. And I mean, there's 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 compensation for Michael. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure how much it is, but there is compensation yeah. for him. So they are going to get because there, there was a year on the contract. So you think whether I think one of the directors bought him a car. Actually, I don't know if he's going to have to have a new <laughs> car now to get up to Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> probably an electric one. Probably be a nice <laughs> one. Yeah. The petrol prices. No, that would be up in Nailsworth. He'd have to have the electric one. Yeah. But um, yeah, so. But it's, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. As I said earlier, do they go down the experience route? Do they go down the inexperience route? Do they go down the continuity route? Those are the three mm. options. Well, they've one got. of the people that's already there. Well, Wade, Wade Elliott, Russell Milton. Yeah, I think Wade Elliott's probably the more likely one mm. out of the two. Because Russell Milton's what been temporary boss a few times. Yeah, Russell's the assistant. I'm not sure whether Russell would a want the top job or mm. get the top job. I'm not sure on that one Wade we don't know whether, does Wade want to be a manager he's been alongside Michael he knows how Michael works that would be the option where you're thinking right we can just keep it as it is the players know what's going on yeah we've already made started making you know preparations to sign new players that can carry on because Wade was involved in those discussions yeah so he that's the way it goes 
or then do you do you go in a different way and do you go down the experienced stroke inexperienced mm. route do you look around the under 23 managers at the premier league clubs i mean michael carrick was one name that got mentioned really? that would be that would be an interesting one yeah what style of manager a, if he was, would it be a, a pass, if he was interested style, yeah. b a if he was interested b if they could they could get him I mean, it's a name you'd, mm. you'd probably get a few through the gate if you had michael carrick yeah. as your as your manager and it's not necessarily the, the the reason to appoint him, but you, you know, he seems to have a good reputation as a as a mm. coach. He's been at United. He'd had contacts with with the Premier mm. League sides, and so that's the sort of thing. And also, you know, the under twenty three managers of the Premier League sides know the best young players around, and that's mm. the area that Cheltenham would 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 want to have a look at for loans and things like that. Or do you go down the experience route and yeah, somebody you- who's you wonder with Michael Carrick how he would find the style of football and just the, the players he's working with in terms of his composure and skill set. Would it be mm. difficult to, to come know. down to League One That's level it. and work with that? That's it, that isn't level? it? You know, you, you do wonder about these players who've played at the very top level and they're managing, you know, coming down to manage at League mm. One, League Two level. I mean, to take it off the, you know, turn to centre midfielder, take it off the centre half when you're yeah. 30 yards from goal and do what I yeah. used to do is a bit, a bit more could, different. And, yeah, yeah, but then you could give the ball to. <laughs> you could give the ball to, to you, you had Roy Keane next to you, or you could give the ball to Everyone, play the ball up yeah. to Ruud van Nistelrooy, and you'd know that he'd be able to do that. Or Wayne Rooney would come and you know, yeah. You know, whereas you know you're giving the ball to Alfie May, no disrespect to any of our players, but you know, it's mm. not quite the same. Uh, it's a different picture, isn't it? Yeah, and also, but you'd think that the players would respect that sort of person if they came in because of, just simply because of what they've done. Mm. Mm. And you know, and I'm not a fan of going down the it has to be a former player route. It's too limiting. Yeah, that doesn't always work. Um, for example, people talking about Russell Penn, who's at Kidderminster, Jerry Gillies at Bath. But it's a step up for both. Those my things. argument there is, if the manager of Kidderminster or Bath wasn't a former Cheltenham player, mm. would you be interested in having yeah. them as your manager? Given the fact that Bath, I think, were mid-table in National South, and Kidderminster were in the playoffs but missed out in and National the cup run, didn't they? Kidderminster, I suppose, yeah. is what caught the, caught, yeah. the, caught the eye. So, would you be interested in the manager of those two clubs mm. if they weren't a former Charlton Town player? And I think the answer is no. Yeah. So then, why would you look at them in that in that circumstance? Just think. I mean, I covered Kidderminster Harriers actually for uh, BBC Hereford and Worcester when I was starting mm. out in journalism, which was. Mm. A, a good experience, but that, yeah, interesting. That I mean, I think it's just a testament to British football that they gave West Ham such a good run in the FA Cup, almost beat them, which just shows you the levels in those dying, really yeah, desperate for them. I was watching that game. I thought, go on, just just for Russ, really, because he's such a good bloke, and yeah. you really wanted him to win. And but to, to concede a goal in the 93rd minute, and then 119th, yeah, and a half minute or whenever it was, it, yeah. was was a bit of a heartbreaking. I mean, but he's done. He's done. He's doing a good job there. But he's another one who probably needs a few more years to mm. to come. You know, if it was in say three or four years' time and he'd had success, maybe got them into the national league, then you might be looking looking that way. It's always difficult with your tools. Like I said, the players come and go so much at these these clubs. It's hard to know for one good season. You have to to rebuild mm. every time. What did you make as a boyhood Watford fan yeah. and a Gloucestershire journalist of mm. Rob Edwards going from Forest Green Rovers to, well, to the mighty Watford? The yeah, Hornets. it's a. It's it's an interesting one, and uh, I mean he did a terrific job at at, at Forest Green. Mm. Um, I was a bit surprised that he made the jump after only a, a season, mm. and because the names that Watford were looking at again were 
were in that sort of ilk because Leah Manning was another one that the so the Pozzo family is going a different different route. Yeah, it was, I read an interview this week with Scott Duxbury, who's the chairman, and he said, I think the words he used was, was that last season was an epiphany, and I think they, I think the penny might finally have dropped. Oh, Munoz, yeah, yeah, the penny might finally have dropped that you can't keep changing your manager every three months if you want to have some success. I mean. I think everybody else in the football world knew that, knew that. Yeah. but I think it's taken Mr. Duxbury, Mr. Pozzo and co a little bit longer to uh, And also to accepting that, that step up out. from the Championship to the Premier League, you're, you're going to get a bloodied nose in the first few yeah, weeks of and the Prem. It was, it was, uh, and that, that, that didn't help at all. And, you know, how can the players get any continuity when the manager's changing every three or four months? So you had three managers last season, didn't yeah. you? Minos, Ranieri, Minos, Hodgson. Ranieri, Hodgson. And it didn't... Didn't, it just doesn't work at that level. You can't, you mm. can't do that. It might work in Italy, where maybe players are a bit more used yeah. to it. But I always think Kike Sanchez Flores is going to come back for a little spell somewhere along the line as well. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was another interesting one to bring him back. I don't know where he came from, but no. And they've said that they will. I think the, the, the phrase they used was they will back Rob Edwards by hell and high water. Really? So if they make a difficult start in the championship, it's interesting. Yeah. For yeah. him, because Shane Duff was here, I don't know if you listened to it, he was on the podcast, he was yeah. really interesting. He said it's a time it broke and Shane's a former Cheltenham and mm. Bradford player, but he was mm. saying he understood it because A, it'll be an elevation, salary, prestige, but even if you fail in the championship, potentially you might still be able to get the next job in the league one anyway, yeah. where he would be if yeah. he was still with Forest Green. Yeah. So he could see that even if there's a forward step and a backward step, you kind of end up where you are. Again, it's, it, it, you're backing yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Again, he's backing himself. Michael's backing himself to be a successor. Mm. Rob Edwards is backing himself, saying, so, yeah, I can do it in the Championship with... And with, it is a top, with, you see, top perception quality. of the club. You said, Barnsley, you think Watford's top... I always imagine Watford top-end Championship pushing promo yeah. promotion, don't you? That's where yeah. Watford live, really. But the interesting thing is, Watford weren't in the second tier of football till 1970. Ah. And everybody thinks what, and they didn't get and didn't get to the top tier till 1982. Yeah. yeah. So Watford spent 60 odd years in the bottom two levels of, of football, mm. and you know, when they went up in 70, they went straight back down again. So really, it wasn't until Graham Taylor came along that they were mm. that they got themselves established really as a as a top two tier yeah. club. They're not a Premier League club. They're not a Premier League club. They're not. Not historic. They're always an intangible club, aren't they? They're almost one of those between the, the Championship and the they Premier need, League. They, they needed the League yeah. one and a half. Yeah. And it's always that <laughs> Division one and a not half. Not for you, I know. I know you're very much there, not a London club. But it's funny, even when I was no, at BBC London, we used to go and cover their press conferences before like Cup semis and stuff. And then we'd have the mm. BBC Three Counties boys there as well. Right. They'd be doubling yeah. up. Because yeah. it's almost like they're on the cusp of London, they but are, it's just outside. So it's that. Yeah. It's that sort of like there's something intangible I've about what I shouted at your channel a couple of times when they're talking about London clubs and they're in there. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to have to make sure we clear that one up. And uh, so no, it's um, it's yeah, they they they're one of those clubs who need a sort of uh, a Premier a Premier League and a half, mm. like Norwich, like Bournemouth, like Fulham, yeah. like West Brom. You know, one of those sort of clubs who are just going to do that all the time. It's funny you mentioned Michael Duff and his pragmatism when he came to Cheltenham had to abandon some of his ideas. You often I witness that now, and it's all very well people celebrate. <laughs> sort of uh, the aspirations of, of some of the clubs coming into Premier League but you do think going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Liverpool and Man City when you're Norwich City seems very odd strategy because I grew up with you know the attritional model where you yeah. just fight and you might nick a big guy might nick a header for you up front yeah. and then you win 1-0 against That's the big right. clubs whereas yeah. now it's like right we're going to try and play mixer. and yeah. you can try and play and it's like well I think 99 times out of 100 Man City and Liverpool are going to beat you if you but do you that. you see this is why 
You see, I get frustrated with all this stuff about England at the moment, and there's all this stuff going on around Southgate, and always being really cautious, and oh, we've got, you know, with the players we've got, we should be doing mm. this. But when Jack Grealish goes out for England, he hasn't got Kevin De Bruyne next to him. No. He hasn't got Sergio, well, next season, Erling Haaland, yeah. up front to stick the ball in the back of the net for mm. him. He hasn't got that, and he's not playing against Norwich City's back four. No. So there is that, it's but that left. never seems yeah. to get get thought about. You know, for example, when um, you know you haven't got Mo Salah in your team, you haven't got. It's a lot more even international football, isn't it? At the top end, I think. Yeah, it's absolutely. A lot I mean, look at France. Mm. Look at France. They've played four games, drawn two, drawn two, lost two. They're bottom of their yeah. Nations League group. Imagine if that. So, how much doesn't they? It's a weird one, the Nations League, isn't it, with these new tournaments? How much mm. do they mean? <laughs> There's a more contentious topic in golf, the Live Golf Series. But how much sport is about prestige? How much is about history? And you need that history. The Nations League. I don't think the Nations League would matter to England fans if they won all three games. I think no. it would be. I said in the Nations League. Doesn't I matter. Little little surge from beating Germany, maybe people yeah. enjoy that. But yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. So, but now because they haven't won, oh, well, oh we're going to get relegated <laughs> in the Nations League. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute, mate. Five yeah. minutes ago, you couldn't give a flying no. toss about the Nations League. As so, long as you qualify for the Euros and the World yeah. Cup, that's all that matters, really, yeah. isn't it? And it's got and the rewriting of history is incredible. You look at you look back at Russia, the World Cup in Russia, and you know, oh, but England reached so high. Yeah, but they had an easy draw. Yeah, that's not their fault. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, what should they have done? Should they have rung FIFA up and say, no, that's all right. Won't I don't remember England having easy games apart from Euro 96 maybe against the Netherlands. Yeah. It's never been an easy game. Yeah, you won't. Should they ring up FIFA and say, oh, hang on FIFA, actually, we don't really want to play Panama. Can, <laughs> can we play Italy yeah. instead yeah, in, that, yeah. in that game? Yeah. Do you mind? Is that all right? But they've always been tough, haven't they, in the past, even at any team you play? England make them tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there are, okay, there are some easy games in international football when you play San Marino and people yeah. like that, but once you get to once you get to a, a tournament, I don't think there are. Mm. Oh, Iran, America, and Wales. Oh, that's going to be easy. Mm. Is it really going to no. be going to be easy? Because I remember the front page of the Sun. I think it was South Africa World Cup mm. when England got Algeria, Slovenia, and America. I think in their yeah. group, yeah. and the front page was easy. It was England, yeah. Algeria, Slovenia, Yanks. Uh, oh, yeah. on the front page yeah, of the sun and look what a haulix yeah. they made of that I know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah the USA will probably be alright actually and Wales will be alright definitely I think well, the USA have got some, some mm. decent players they've got Pulisic they've got other players who, who, who play it because mm. the vast majority of these countries now have players playing in the top leagues mm. you know you're not you're not coming up against a Slovenian no. team with 11 players playing for Kosovo great against Northern Ireland. They, they were good. Yeah. I watched that yeah. game, and they 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 were a decent side, and they got they got players playing at playing at a top level, and all these countries have got players, not not the whole team, mm. but they've got four or five decent players playing La Liga, Syria, Bundesliga, Eredivisie in Holland, French League One. You know, they they're all playing at these decent at mm. decent levels. They're not playing in the Austrian fourth division no, not anymore. Stuck in their own own, no. own leagues. What do you think about the evolution of, of sport in this country? In the sense, do you feel like you want to break from football more than we're getting at the moment? Because you, we're talking about the Nations League, aren't we? <laughs> you're talking about Cheltenham Town oh, players coming back this week because of the World Cup in Qatar. But it feels like I think you're trying to cover cricket this summer as well. Yeah, but it feels yeah, like cricket going on. Sports like that gets so squeezed. But I think playing four Nations League games in ten days at the end of the season is yeah. painfully ridiculous. Mm. To be absolutely honest, and I like the idea of the Nations League because 
you know, they haven't got England playing against Ghana at Wembley in a friendly where mm. they're making nine subs and, and all this sort yeah, of thing. And yeah. I think there's a bit more to it and a bit and a bit more. Um, and I think Southgate's probably he, he's, he's done the right thing as well with with you know he's mixed the squad up a bit in mm-hmm. in the games that have, the games that I think only three players have started all three games so far I think but a lot of my friends didn't know it was even happening you know that's a strange that's thing is that thing. my brother's like what did England play last night you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing tonight yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and, but I think but you look at the cricket calendar the cricket calendar is ridiculous because mm-hmm. you're trying to fit in championship matches T20 matches mm. 50 over matches the ridiculous 100 test matches one day internationals into a window between April and September mm. Yeah. And these poor players, one minute, I mean, I think Gloucestershire played, so they played six championship matches on in the row at the start mm. of the season. Mm. It's not surprising that some of the players broke down and they had so many injuries. Yeah, That was from the start of April. I remember, I remember the cricket season didn't used to start till May. No. Now it starts in the, I think Cheltenham, had, pretty chilly out Cheltenham were playing friend, um, Cheltenham, Gloucestershire were playing friendlies in March. Whoa. In <laughs> so, England? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then you've got, so you play six championship matches. Then they played seven or eight. I think they played eight T Twenty games in in about a two week window. Yeah. It's hard for everyone. And to now they're back to playing championship games. The time, energy, and money and attention for the fans for it to be meaningful. It's hard to it's hard to keep a tab of it, isn't it? And the the other the other problem is that very little of it is played at weekends. Mm. Weekends is when people can go and watch. Yeah. So they should be trying to focus to play as much of the. The decent, meaningful cricket at weekends, like the one-day game, should probably be played at weekends because that's when people are going to be le- less is to more. go and watch. And it, it does, but the calendar doesn't allow for that, mm. and it's it's very difficult to. I mean, I don't know why they bought the hundred. Well, I do know why they bought the hundred in because they wanted to make more money, but <laughs> um, it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. I live golf. We were talking about earlier, weren't we? Yeah. And, you know, does golf need another? tour they've got the no, European no I think it's sometimes the argument of we're talking about League 2 players moving for a few more thousand that will make significant impact on their bank balance and their family's future but golfers using the same argument when they've got 200 million dollars in the bank already doesn't necessarily no it doesn't it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really work sympathy. I mean as, as we say Phil Mickles is going to be getting 200 million out of out of live golf mm. does he really need another 200 million at 52 years old well I heard someone say he'd received 400 million from the PGA Tour and presumably he'd endorsements of his illustrious career has been fantastic but I think it's the argument that he's been sort of brutally exploited by the PGA Tour probably isn't Tiger Woods well Tiger Woods is officially a billionaire isn't he apparently and so he doesn't need to go and play for play for live golf and he's done he said no I'm not going to do that it's like your sympathy is different isn't it it's like if you know when we were kids and you learn about Victorian people who stole loaves of bread and got shipped mm. to Australia you think mm. well they're starving you know you can understand that that's a different thing but if you're stealing a Maserati because you want a slightly fancier oh, car no. it's a different it's a different exactly, kind of exactly uh, right. argument and, I think you know, this is why sometimes you it does it does um, you know stick in the craw a bit when you hear about a, fo- uh, a Premier League footballer on 300 grand a week oh, I'm not going to sign that new contract I mm. want 400 grand a week you're thinking <laughs> what are you going to do with that extra hundred grand a week, what's yeah. going to actually happen to that? Yeah, well, obviously tax. And you know, then, yeah, whatever. I know. Are, yeah. you gonna, are you going to you going to buy another yacht in Marbella or have another <laughs> three week holiday in Dubai? How's it going to? Yeah, I think that's what making decisions based on actually the the team that you're going to or what the merits yeah. of that. You think sometimes yeah. it's a short career at that level. 
maybe money doesn't have to be the immediate concern. It is a short career. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt it's a short career. It's a short career. So when you're at when you're at Bentoza was the example we use, when you're at mm. a League Two level playing at that level, you can understand why people would make a move for lucrative reasons. Mm. But when you're a Premier League player earning three hundred grand a week three hundred grand a week. I mean, yeah. You kind of flip it, don't you? You think actually you've got the money regardless of what who you're playing for, but are you playing every week? Are you on the bench? You know, yeah. are you making memories? Are yeah. you are you gonna live long in fans' memories? Because yeah. someone like Jack Grealish could, I think, if he was playing every week, but he's not playing at Manchester City, so it's a difficult no, dilemma. It's, it's it's there's no there's no guarantees at that level. And that's when that's also when you get sort of a young player. If you're a young pl- player and you're you're moving to that's why you you've got to be really careful I think at that level that you make the right moves you look at Danny Drinkwater for example mm. Danny Drinkwater was at Leicester had a great yeah. season Leicester won the title went to Chelsea Yeah, he's just been released by Chelsea after what five years is it so 2016 wasn't 2016, it 2016 yeah they won the title 2016 so there you go five years he moved that summer didn't he after yeah. Leicester won the title so that's five five, five six years now so, yeah. five six years he's been at Chelsea how many games has he played 20 30? If that, yeah, and then he's had a couple of loan Steve spells. Steve Sidwell had a similar thing, wasn't yeah, he? he was a couple of loan spells. Yeah. So and then he was at Leicester. He was at, he was on a high. He was, you know, he was in the England squad. He was thought mm. of was one of the best midfielders in England. Now his career's gone off a cliff. Yeah, because most people wouldn't recognise him. Some fans wouldn't recognise him because of no. one decision he's made. Mm. Going to going making that move. And once you go somewhere and you don't play, it's very hard to then move because no one can see you. What exactly. you're doing. Exactly. And so. also, he's I think he's had injuries. He's had off the field stuff going on. Mm. So he's he's had. He's had those sorts of things, and with Jamie Vardy in contrast, who, to be fair, if Jamie Vardy had gone to Arsenal, probably would have started for Arsenal and scored a lot of goals. Who but, knows how that one would have worked? But he stayed at Leicester, and he's had a fine career. Yeah, at Leicester. and and sometimes that and people say that about Harry Kane, don't they? Harry mm. Kane could have gone to Man City, mm. snapped his cruciate in the first preseason friendly, and not played for two years. You <laughs> yeah. never know. Yeah, you never know. No, sometimes it's sometimes it is better the devil you know, and big and, calls, and, and and again, that's it's full of it. Sport is full of those. Sort of sliding doors moments where, hmm. you know, I mean, I've had. Well, in your life, in general, if you're lucky, you have a sort life. of 50 year career, that 40, 50 year career, you can make decisions and backtrack, but in these sports, it's sort of like I mean, a 10 I've year worked, career. I've worked in newspapers now for 33 years. Hmm. You know, I could have done other stuff. I, you know, I, had, I had, but things happen, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a number of redundancies in that time, but. Luckily, I've normally fallen back on my feet and, and got something. Remind, else. Us, remind us where we can see your work as Quite well. Quickly. People ever listen. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I put to say I put together the sports pages in the Citizen and Echo, yeah. which come out every week on on a Thursday. And that's still a physical paper. Yeah, still a physical paper. They're, they're, they they still exist. Well, I could have asked you, you because can still go Ash, down the shop and buy one. We had Ash Loveridge on this yeah, week, and he's Ash, teamed up with yeah. Cheltenham director Brilliant. Mark Cousner, yeah. and they've got the. Love that. Uh, the Stroud Times uh, yeah. on the back of what he's done with the Cheltenham Post yeah. as well. Yeah, big fan of that. Big so, fan of that. More, big, more power to print. Yeah, I think there is still a place for, for print. I mean, yeah, a diminishing place, but there is still a place for, yeah. for print. Ash was saying locally, and he said, I don't know if it's people of a certain generation who own local businesses, but he was saying that they prefer to advertise in print, and he said gives it away free, and then the advertising pays for the, the print yeah. run and more. Yeah, and more. we still have, we still have, healthy advertising in our. Mm. in our two papers and there are still people out there who 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 want to advertise in our in our papers and cuz yeah the the circulation may not be as high as it was in the heyday of print and 
I think the newspaper industry and the media has has made errors mm. uh, in how they sort of the, well the free model you were talking about before. yeah the internet and yeah the internet giving it away for free on the internet ridiculous yeah. and so you don't give anything away you don't give shoes away on the internet no, for free or anything like that yeah <laughs> so why why are you why are you doing that from the very start newspapers should have charged for content and mm. it's very difficult now to go back and. Uh, was it a technology yeah. problem, you think? Because it was so clunky, people didn't know. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been. Didn't know how to actually yeah, execute been. payment online and things yeah, like that. Yeah, could have been. Could have been part of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think they could have found a way of, of doing it. And, but it's too late now, obviously. But uh, and, and I think that has hit, that's hit the print side because, of course, people can just mm. see it all. So, uh, but there are things that, there are things that go in the print edition that don't go in the yeah in on in the online onto online for example none of our cricket coverage is, is put online really then, no why but, not why, what's that because people don't read it really well because they, they don't hit click on it no they don't click on it but what's interesting basically is, if you don't click on it yeah it doesn't go on but the behavior of people online versus in print is quite interesting because if you have a f paper and you're having a coffee and you've got a bit of time on your hands you will normally read things in a different way you just read them out of interest you flick a page you look at that's it right. whereas but actually online you've got you're a bit like Pavlov's dog aren't you, you just respond to a, you know a sensational you headline know what about you whatever read. it is yeah, yeah for it's example different, it's a different behavior yeah and uh, also I think not in general mm. the cricket fan may be a little of the older generation mm. so they, they don't they don't go online very got the much. cricket festival coming up as well you'll be there the for that the cricket festivals I love the cricket festival Malvern College grounds beautiful spot Cheltenham College beautiful lovely not just Malvern College, College. Where I grew up in Malvern That's yeah. Your, <laughs> yeah 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 you're going back to your, yeah, no, yeah. your child yeah 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 no Cheltenham College yeah yeah highly recommended if you've never been get yourself along there for a day and uh, and watch some cricket in the in my view the best outground on the on the county circuit all the players love playing at mm. Cheltenham you ask any of the Gloucestershire players and Cheltenham, Cheltenham how old Fortnite. are those college buildings there the beautiful ones um, be hundreds of years well the there's been a there's been a cricket festival there since the 1870s when WG was uh, was around wow the good doctor WG Grace yeah. um, playing and his, his brothers were him and his brothers were all in the uh, <laughs> Gloucestershire side and I mean, some of the players who've played on that on those grounds just mm. you know, it's a, a who's who of you know you go back to Walter Hammond, you go Gilbert Jessup, you go you know Alf Dipper, the the greats and the glorious all the way through to Proctor and Zahir Abbas mm. and now to the to the current crop of brilliant uh, of, of Gloucestershire players. They've all played on those. It's just an experience, isn't it? Right? Very just, beautiful, relaxing, it's, serene it's experience. Top quality, top class sport. Yeah. On your daughter, I mean, you could walk from here, Ed. Yeah, no, I will. I will. I've been there before. <laughs> Took my daughter. She was trying when she was a little bit younger. She was about two. She was throwing things off the back, yeah. of, the back of the stand so I could yeah. go cuddly toys, but she was enjoying it. Yeah. But now you, you, it's it's it, it's brilliant, and we're we're very lucky around here. Mm. You know, it's not it's not the biggest county in the world, and we've got two League One football clubs. Yeah, we've got a top quality rugby club on yeah. our doorstep. One of the best in the country. Gloucester, in yeah. fact, the fifth best in the country. And last season, we've got top quality county cricket and you look at you've got horse racing you've got the best horse race mm. course in the world mm. in our in our county you've got and you've got things like you, know, you have the Babington horse trials it's just down the road you have you have all sorts mm. of 
Fantastic sport, right it's on two the league one clubs. That's brilliant, isn't it? I don't know if that's unprecedented to have Forest Green and well, Forest Green first time Never in the division and, and Cheltenham Town. Before. So we've got El Glossico back, which will be yeah. be feisty. But I guess we'll hope that they both stay up. Do you feel optimistic for both clubs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I say, I think it, I think it'd be hard for both clubs mm. because both have got new managers. Yeah, or will have by the time the season starts. Both have lost key players. I mean, Adams and. Uh, Wilson have gone mm. from Forest Green who are probably their top two players of, of last season yeah. so uh, Ian Birchland going to have to have a look around and see what he can he's already bought in a, in a wing back from Rochdale so that, I think that's the replacement there but I think uh, I think Mr Vince will <laughs> dip into his pocket once again and, yeah. and help Mr Birchnall out it's funny isn't it it's like boxing you know they, they say you get what your talent deserves or, or whatever but with Dale Vince it's the profile as well isn't it boxers who have high profile get better remunerated and Dale Vince he's certainly very, commands headlines and, he's and a cameras very, he's a very clever man he's a very clever man mm. Ali, his marketing ability and his ability to get his his message out there is you know use it's, it's using the football club as a vehicle mm. to push his Green message, sustainability message, yeah. energy message, you know, eco message, uh, and he does it, and he does it very well. And from that point of view, you have to, you have to admire what he does. I don't necessarily agree with mm. doing it that way myself, but mm. you have to say if that's the way he wants to go, he does it. And his profile very, seems very to reflect well. well on the club, I suppose, and interest for them, and, and yeah, the attendance and is down the, elsewhere. You know, and he, he's, he's. Uh, you, know, you you'll you'll hear him on on various radio stations and he's been on your channel a number yeah. of times hasn't he and uh, you you yeah, he's, he's he's not backward in coming forward. No, apparently he was. Ash Leverage was saying that he was modelling the new kit. In, in, in yeah, he came. Sky, he, so he, came rare, rare he came to the interview. He came to the interview when um, when they appointed Ian Birchall. I think yeah. he turned up at the interview and he's wearing the their new pink away. <laughs> yeah, kit. Usually it's your star striker. He, he walks in and everybody's going, "What's that he's wearing?" He's oh, "Hi guys, this is a new away kit." Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one way of doing it. Saves paying a model. And I guess. Cheltenham, I say it'll be harder next season mm. for Cheltenham than it than it was this year. It'll be it'll be another one of, of trying to sort of consolidate yourselves. A few, few local games in the there. Division. Oh it's gonna yeah. be a good division. You look at Oxford, Bristol Rovers, Exeter, mm. Plymouth, Forest Green. I mean that's five decent yeah, local Shemswin games. Yeah James Wynn didn't go up otherwise you don't um so you've got five decent local games so you're gonna have decent away mm. followings coming to those. You've still got teams like Portsmouth and Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday and those who will bring uh. decent away followings as well. There's probably, I think I was looking at it the other day, I was probably thinking there'll probably be like 14 or 15 games next season where uh. you would expect the away following to sell <laughs> out. So you're going to be looking, yeah, so you're going to be looking at 14 or 15 crowds probably in the region of 5,000 yeah. next season, which is brilliant. And Cheltenham are very very fiscally kind of sound so they'll probably be putting some money aside for a rainy a, day I think. think I think it's a good prospect for a manager mm. I really do I think if you're a manager wanting to take on a challenge I think it's a very good one because you've got a club which is which is well run financially mm. it doesn't throw the money around okay you're going to have you're not going to have the biggest budget in the world you're just going to have to deal with that yeah but if you're somebody who wants to make a, a name for yourself or rebuild a reputation or make a name for yourself at a club where you are going to get time, because they're not a sacking club, as I said earlier, two, yeah. two managers in seven years. It's not too much of an emotionally volatile crowd base, is it? I no, you're not. 
you know, you're not going to get, I think you will get a chance, you will get time. And so I think if you're a manager out there who, who wants a challenge and, you know, if you, if you keep Cheltenham in League One, you've done well. Yeah, yeah. You've succeeded. You, yeah. you've, you, you've done it. You know, even if they do finish 20th. But <laughs> if you keep Cheltenham in League One... The longer they stay there, you think they start the to The longer build. you stay there. And that's, that's what's happened with teams like Accrington. Mm. You know, Accrington came up. They're a club who Cheltenham fans always look at thinking, well, Accrington, well, they get smaller crowds than Cheltenham do. Mm. But the thing that Accrington have got is a lot of off the field. And that's what Cheltenham need to try and develop. They need to try and get Warden Road used more. Mm. And that's Concerts. where... See, that's where a new stand comes in. Mm. And that, that is the big thing. If Cheltenham could find a way of developing that stand, hospitality, office space, you know, other, other things, maybe, I don't know. Get Ed Sheeran doing his next concert down yeah. there. <laughs> maybe build a doctor's surgery in it or build a dentist's in it or something mm. like that, like some clubs have done. Or have a word with the university, build some flats if, they can, mm. if, they, if they've got the that sort of thing you've got to you've got to have they mm. least but they can't do it on their own they, they need to develop some sort of partnership and i think i know there have been a lot of talks with the council who actually own the ground okay about what they can do and how they can develop yeah. it and that's, the tax money goes back to the council but, so they'll be yeah it off. has to be they have to find a way of developing the main stand and, and the end as well the sort of mm. home end area because they need more seats because I think they're finding, I think what they're finding is that when there's a big game like a Portsmouth or yeah. a Forest Green, the seats will sell out mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And when the seats sell out, the ticket sales drop because people want seats. Oh, oh, sorry, I see what you mean. So standing you know I mean? in the seats, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the seats, the seats sell out mm. and then the ticket sales virtually stop. Ah. because people don't want to stand up. That's interesting, isn't it? Because they're trying to bring standing back to, to other levels of football. Okay, yeah. The, the traditional fan wants to stand, but if you're a family thinking, oh, let's go and watch yeah. Cheltenham play for Oh, you're never going to get someone... Yeah, you never get your kids to, to you know s- I mean? stand up for that long. So that's, that's... I think that's the issue they've got. They need to try and find a way of getting more seats into the ground, and the only way of doing that is to develop the, the last two parts of the ground that haven't really been, mm. uh, haven't really been done. And that's, but that's a long-term thing. Yeah, as we say, that's not that's not going to happen probably for well at least five years. Yeah, I would say. Well, let's uh, let's stay optimistic, as we say. Sort of, there's always short-term blips and and peaks and troughs, but then actually long-term, it seems like Cheltenham is is on the up. The areas on the up as well. But Mark, I think so. Been a pleasure, pleasure seeing you. Thanks for coming Thanks, over. Thanks, Ed. No problem. Speak to you again soon. No worries. There we have it. Great to have Mark Halliwell's company and good to see him in person. I believe I saw him one pre-season Cheltenham Town Football Club event probably back in 2019, three years ago before the pandemic and the lockdown and all the Zoom dramas and all the stuff on the podcast. But great to meet him in person properly and have a good sit down at my home in Cheltenham here in the west of England. Thank you to him. Check out his articles in the Citizen Gloucestershire edition where he's the sports editor and listen out for his voice on local BBC radio. Watch out for those cricket stories as well coming up with Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. And uh, hopefully the other sports do get a bit of a look in. The football calendar ever expands and ever dominates is tricky for those other sports, isn't it? Well, thank you to Mark. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham 
and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations, can source you whatever you want as well, not just the world-renowned Bang Olufsen uh, impeccable equipment as well. They can go above and beyond that with Serene AV to source you whatever fits your home, your budget, your vision, your needs, whether it's a big screen, whatever it might be, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his team, B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media, or just Google Bang Olufsen Cheltenham as well. It is local. Stop, uh, step into the store. There's a lovely scene down there in the courtyard in Montpellier. Thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast, food-based supplement company, my father has worked with for 20 plus years, my dad being a doctor, GP, and a micronutritionist as well, Dr. Mark Draper, currently still working in the Cotswolds as a general practitioner and a nutrition consultant. We pay for our supplements, and if you'd like to as well, uh, get a discount through us. The discount code at checkout is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. That is at cytoplan.co.uk. Good luck with the supplements if you're taking them. And if you'd like to check out this uh, idea that we're having, this new company we've launched called Attic Box Audio. If you're intrigued by the concept of getting a family member's life story, their key memories from childhood, significant others, husbands, wives, children, whatever it may be, the whole kit and caboodle, the career story, everything in, in a two-hour conversation. It's then also transcribed in wonderful uh, book with illustrations of family photographs, etc. Just check out atticboxaudio.co.uk. See what you think. A-T-T-I-C-B-O-X-A-U-D-I-O-D-I-O, atticboxaudio.co.uk. Or look through it through drapermedia.co.uk, my wife, Carla, and I's website. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy it, please rate it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Pass it on either the modern way of social media or just tell a friend. That would be appreciated. Thank you for being here. And I uh, appreciate you being here. And I'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye for now.